Happy holidays. This is Mary and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today's episode is about the holidays, which is can often be painted as a time of joy and celebration, but also very triggering for so many people. There's such a pressure to engage in family gatherings and societal expectations, which might stir up some unresolved emotions and family tensions. So Those of you who have anxious attachment styles, the fear of not meeting others' expectations or feeling abandoned during the season can be particularly intense. Likewise, individuals with avoidant attachment styles might struggle with the perceived invasion of personal space or the emotional demands of the holidays. The emphasis on togetherness can unveil deep-seated emotions, making it crucial to approach the festive season with self-awareness and self-compassion. So I'm talking with my friend Jacqueline about the holidays and attachment. So let's just drop into the conversation. So Jacqueline, it's that time of year. Holidays. Holidays, yes. And how do holidays work with the different attachment styles? I'm just thinking about my own memories of holidays. And uh, I know that I used to cringe a lot just having to think about getting together with my family for the holidays. It's something that I definitely wanted to avoid. Oddly enough, I only missed one holiday when I was living back in New York. But other than that, I managed in my avoidant attachment style to show up every year. And I think what happened to me was the guilt of not showing up was greater than like my avoided tendencies of just not wanting to be there. Fascinating. I, you know, I, my experience was different. I used to, um, when I would go home, what I would do is I noticed I would get really grippy or overly excited about any romantic prospect at the time. So I'd want to like text them all the time. I'd want to talk about it. I would like be hyper-focused on um, this kind of fun little thing versus dealing with my feelings about um, old traumas, right? His relational trauma, attachment, wounding. And, and then as I, you know, kind of, and I'll still notice that kind of come up a little bit, even though I've done so much work around my family that kind of when I'm under stress, I go to the tool of like lo- looking for like the partner as like the weight goes a little heavier there. Cause that's, you know, that anxious side of me is always often wants to look outside myself in order to feel that sense of tethering. And that's because I didn't feel so tethered growing up, right? I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, well, what were more of your childhood experiences growing up and experiencing holidays, you know, as opposed to as an adult when it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if we're in a relationship, it's like, well, let me tether to that person. Or my experience was, let me spend time with that person's family, because that person's family feels more comfortable to me than my own family. You know, I was thinking about this recently. And what for me, deep down, there is this feeling of or belief system or both of, uh, you know, subconscious oftentimes of not feeling good enough. Right. So if I have the other person, then I'm good, then I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. And because I really got that messaging mm-hmm. that isolating, being alone. That was the the punishment in my house. That was not the savior. Like, unlike it sounds like for you, like a safe place to go for me, that was considered dangerous. So in some way or punitive, like that's the thing you get when you're like not a member of the family or you do something wrong is you're on the outs, like you're the problem. 
So I was always looking for that to feel some sense of self-worth. Okay. So I'm like reflecting back and thinking about how I felt as a kid around the holidays. And I always felt like, you know, I always felt like I didn't really get exactly what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. I, and when I say that, and this sounds kind of bratty, but when I say that I'm talking about, you know, the present or the gift, like I wanted a certain, certain something, right. And it wasn't exactly the right thing. It was some variation of the thing, but it wasn't exactly the right thing. And I, no, as a kid, I saw that as, you know, I asked for this very specific thing. My parents interpreted it as I wanted something different or what they thought I wanted or what was good enough, right? So that to me symbolized they're not hearing me, they're not getting me, they're not understanding me. And so I started to equate the holidays as a time of I'm not really being seen. Yeah. And I started to sort of give up asking for what I wanted. Yeah, I can relate to that, too, in my own way when I'm thinking about, you know, deep down, there was this sense of discomfort, whether it was, you know, arguing that would happen or just the sadness that I would feel or dissatisfaction, like the the itch not being scratched. I wasn't even at that time aware of what that was or I put my family in the villain role. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a way that that was the only way I kind of knew how to manage or navigate anything. Right. And it wasn't until I started looking at my own side, not in saying that somebody, you know, accepting somebody else's limitations, but really focusing on what nourished my soul, what made me happy. My relationship with my family members started to change because I was less concerned about the result in a way and just looking at myself and how I can come to the table and be a better person, what I want to do to make myself happy. It was uncomfortable at times. And ultimately, I got the result of what I wanted, which was a closer relationship with with my family members. How long did that take for you? (laughs) Well, quite some time. But the reason, I mean, years, right? But I also feel I got a lot of um, misguidance around how to navigate that. And so Mary and I, our goal, our collective goal for you in this episode around the holidays is how you can navigate this in a way that isn't just surviving, all right? We all know how to survive. We're all doing it. It's an act of courage just to be alive at the moment. Let's be honest, right? It's tough times. But secure attachment is earned by not just the survival response, connection along with the survival. And so you get that through regulating, through using these challenging uh, uh, times or situations as opportunities to next level yourself. When you start doing that in your family of origin, which is the mothership, it, I promise you, will shift your other relationships as well, like hands down, because you're dealing with it at the toughest level. So can we use this time to learn and grow and strengthen your secure attachment instead of going to meet your family and just trying to survive. And for those of you who aren't meeting your family and choose not to, we have support and tools for you. And for those of you who are singles and maybe haven't been asked to make plans or have no living family members, we also have tips for you. So we're going to get into that. But we just wanted to start with for those of you who are going to see family. Right. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you covered all of that. And, you know, and also people who have their chosen family. 
right? And what that looks like. And I think that's also part of moving towards an earned secure attachment is that you're re maybe realizing, okay, maybe my bio family doesn't necessarily work for me, but I actually have this ability to choose who and who I don't want to surround myself with. So I think that's also an important thing to touch on as well. And I'm just reflecting on when I was saying that, you know, the, the, the gift was like symbolic of like not really getting my needs met. And, and I also want to be clear that, you know, sometimes I did get the thing that I asked for and I realized that regardless of what the material thing was or wasn't, it wasn't really fulfilling this deeper need that I had for connection. Like I didn't feel like, I mean, not that I was aspiring to some sort of like Norman Rockwell type of Christmas, but I just didn't, you know, when I was looking around at other families or maybe if I was in a relationship and that person was in a very close family. I remember I was dating this one person. I went to his family reunion and there were probably about 60 or 70 people there. And that blew me away because I come from an extremely small family. Uh, but, you know, so then that was just like, you know, I was, it's weird because as an avoidant, you would think that I would be overwhelmed by that, but it was something that I just was just like, oh my God, all this connection, this feels really good. And so I think that even when you're running avoidant, knowing really what the deeper layer or the deeper need that's underneath that, and we talk about this all the time, is that need for connection. And so I think that's why holidays can be so triggering because some people have these quote unquote perfect families. When you're looking at social media and it's the FOMO, right? Just, you know, I know that I experienced so much fantasy FOMO in my own experience around the holidays. Even I'm going to take that a step further, even in life, that fantasy FOMO, I think that that to me, I associate with that almost that anxious part of ourselves that's like, well, if it just looked like this, then I'd be happy. I'd be mm -hmm. feeling, in essence, connected. I'd be a part of. So this is what we're throwing out there for you. If you're going home for the holidays, rather than over drinking, overeating, um, over fantasizing, or over <laughs> drinking, that totally worked for my family. <laughs> it is one of the ways we regulate, right? It's a way to pull us away from our emotional experience or feel like we have control in some way. Or, or just check out. Or give you a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can give yeah. you a feeling. Maybe it's a feeling of positivity sometimes, right? It can really go all the different ways. The problem is when we rely too heavily on distraction as a way to just manage situations, that is telling our brain that it is not safe to feel our feelings. That is telling our brain that we, in order, cannot connect to ourselves um, in order to have relationships. Earn secure attachment is accepting someone's limitations and making choices within those limitations. It's not boundaryless. It's not saying that every single person or fantasizing that any person in your family can show up the way you want them to show up. It's accepting who they are and taking the work into you. So using those moments to say, oh, I'm, I want to overdrink right now. What's really going on with me? Maybe the dissociated part of you says nothing. I just feel like having a few drinks. Check it. Explore. What's what's underneath that? What's the dissociation about? Right. I or, or 
you know, I feel fine, um, except I want to eat the whole pan full of brownies. You're obviously in some kind of distress, but your body has learned to dissociate as a way to navigate that. We don't want you to reinforce these patterns because that's not going to serve you in showing up in relationships and finding the kind of relationship you want, right? So you can start by the awareness, the awareness that the event is happening. Uh, maybe I want to overdrink. Maybe I'm feeling stressed out by what a parent or a sibling has said, and I'm really heightened and upset. Um, maybe I'm noticing I just want to sleep all the time. Mm. Maybe I'm noticing I want to text that that the, the love interest and and connect with them all the time. Right. That's going to be step one. Awareness of when the thing is happening. That's your sign that your body is in distress. Are you dissociating? Are you having heavier anxiety? That fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? Are you looking to check out in some way? Or, I mean, even on the opposite end, how are you being triggered? And are you starting to get back into those old patterns of what you're saying, the fight, the flight, the freeze? I think it's so easy to fall back into those old patterns when we step into the front door of our childhood house totally. and going back into that family system. And when you say, how are you being triggered, can you give some examples of what you mean? Well, I just mean, how are your parents or, or anybody in your family, are they speaking to you the same way they spoke to you when you were 12 years old? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, are they criticizing, mm -hmm. critiquing your life? Are they making comments about what you're wearing? Um, are you noticing some of those kind of same passive aggressive types of behaviors? Are they trying to communicate something to you, but they're not actually saying what it is they really mean to say? Mm. I love that. Make a journal about all this stuff, right? Use this time as this this is like you're you're in the mecca of uh, information. So use this to next level your awareness. Then you're going to have to regulate. The regulation I, I want you to stay away from, or I invite you to stay away from or minimize, is the overdrinking, the overeating, the undereating, the la la la, the, all the stuff we mentioned before. And look at A, um, are there friends you can reach out to and share your felt experience? I'm struggling right now. Uh, in some way, I don't understand what I'm feeling. Maybe I'm feeling nothing at all. I just know I want to have a few drinks right now. Or this family member has pissed me off in some way and I'm really frustrated. Or I feel so lonely being here, right? So I'm asking you to explore your felt experience, your emotional experience with a trusted friend, somebody you can reach out to, right? And so that person can help give you the connection that you're actually seeking from family members. I mean, I hear this a lot, too, is that when people do go home for the holidays, they make sure that they try to contact every friend that they know in that, you know, in their vicinity or, or mm -hmm. who still live in that area. And they start to make plans, right? Yeah. They make plans before they go home because I've heard this a lot in my practice. Yeah, I'm going to go home for the holidays and I have, you know four different nights where I'm going out with four different friends. So that can help with that regulation in terms of, okay, I have these escape routes planned. I have this support system ready and waiting for me because I can imagine that they know the person's, you know, experience of growing up, right? Whatever. So 
you know, somebody who understands, somebody who you have history with, somebody that kind of gets you, you can just show up, you don't have to do a lot of explaining. And so I think it's really important to build in these like mini escape routes so that that so that you are already going in in a more grounded and regulated place. I love that the avoidant here uses the word escape route. (laughs) What I was thinking with that, that to support what you were saying is when we have other outlets versus just the thing that's like the heightened cause of stress, just like when you work out, like your body is experiencing stress when you work out, you need the times of rest and recuperation as well. So dispersing that, having the quote unquote escape options or routes available helps your body learn the balance, right? Versus becoming overwhelmed within the moment. Um, when you plan your escape routes or text, you know, I, your like, I don't or, know why I just like feel like Batman or something. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Then I'm going to do it with a stealth mission. But in a way, it's really setting yourself up for success, right? Because you're planning out how to do that without setting yourself up for overwhelm. And when you're with these other people, again, I implore you to examine your your more felt experience, right? Don't just use it to check out, even though some of that can be good. We're looking for the balance in that. That's, that's where it's going to lead you to the sweet spot. The other thing you can do is when you're having some alone time or just even in the moment of the trigger is learn to regulate yourself so that that inhale, exhale, inhale, activates the sympathetic nervous system, exhale, activates our parasympathetic nervous system. If you are feeling more anxious, you want a longer exhale. If you are feeling more dissociated or flat, you want a longer inhale. If you're looking for the balance between the two systems. The breath counts should match the same. If you're running hot, go cold, opposite action. If you're feeling like doing nothing, go do something. Try to check in with and journal about what what are your feelings? Are you feeling a sense of loneliness? Does it feel hopeless? Does it feel sad? Start to explore what your emotional experience is. What that does over time is give you the connection you did not get. It's in essence reparenting yourself. And this is so essential in secure attachment. Mary and I are not expecting you to do it perfectly. We're looking for using this to build on that foundation to create that security within yourself. That's going to help you reach those intuitive choices like more consistently, easier. It's going to lead you to even having a more connective experience on whether somebody would really be a good fit for you or not. I love that. Uh, and another thing I do is, it, for those of you who enjoy exercise or some kind of practice, I always bring workout clothes with me. Yes. yes. And I also research, oh, are there any yoga studios nearby? Any workout spots? Are there any classes that I want to take? So that I can have another thing that I can do. And I usually do it in the morning where I can like, that's like a reset where I can kind of reset my day Mm -hmm. and I can go to a yoga class. I can go to a workout class. And then it's something that I've done for myself when you're talking about reparenting, right? That's like, okay, I've done this thing for myself and I feel good about that. And that like can really also change the mood. So when you were saying, if you feel like doing nothing, do something, right? That can really do that reset, that mood shift, put you in a different space where 
it's going to be easier to interact with people that might feel, you know, or normally triggering to you. You know, I'm thinking of that in my own experience. Uh, when I would go home, I would often, I would really struggle with the duality of wanting to spend time with my family, looking for that connection, yet also struggling in the connection. And I oftentimes felt like I needed to spend every moment with them, like that I, I couldn't do anything else. And what I'm hearing in what you said is the opposite action at the time for me would have been to do something for me, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly what that anxiously attached part of ourselves needs is in essence uh, to say, I am enough. I know how to nourish my soul. And that feels just as good as connection with others. Or when I can't connect with others in, in certain ways, I can find it for myself. That brings you into the security. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, let's move on about singles and the holidays. Yeah, singles and the holidays. I see you. I feel you. I was single for so many years. And it was always a stressor around, uh, do I need to ask people to, to, to spend the holidays with them? Am I going to have to manage this? Am I going to have to be alone? I have spent some holidays alone. You know, as a single, it's always like it's effort. It's effort, right? Like you've got to ask other people. Sometimes people don't ask, right? And so it's challenging. It's hard. I think it's hard too if, if, you know, if you're single and you have siblings who are paired up and the siblings are doing their own thing for the holidays and it's like, okay, well, where, where do I go? Where do I fit with this? And that can feel really displacing as well. I had that. That was also part of my story. And definitely it just kind of exacerbated that kind of attachment wounding I had around like I'm I'm a recovery middle child. So it was always I'm lonely. I'm alone. And when I would see that mirrored back, even with my siblings, it it kind of um, emphasized that a lot for me. Um, And then at a certain point, you know, I didn't always have the bandwidth or, you know, emotional energy to make it home. Like I had to get on a plane to go home. I didn't always want to do that. But a lot of people would be spending time with their families and there wasn't necessarily room for an extra person. And it kind of left me flailing. And one of the biggest tools I learned about it, I'll say, is really looking at what do you need for support? So again, earned earned security doesn't come from a place of ideals all the time. It's how you're choosing to to act within those limitations. So if you know you thrive better with people, ask your friends, tell them you're going to be alone and that's going to feel lonely. Could you join them? When when you share in this way, a lot of people oftentimes say, oh, absolutely. Right. Um, which is different than just saying, hey, can I join you? Without sharing what's behind that, Someone might might not be thinking of the whole picture, right? So when you give them that information, that's easier. 
And of course, the ideal would be to be asked, but that might not be the case. The other, the other part of that is, I remember one time I used a Thanksgiving um, as an experiment to be alone. I just wanted to see how I, I felt. And I had a really great day. I did everything that like nourished my soul and I felt really happy and good. And it was such an experience around, um, I, I can love myself on my own regardless of what's happening. And it was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't feel like going to anybody's house for Thanksgiving. It's such a social construct too, the holidays. And so, I mean, if they didn't exist, we wouldn't possibly wouldn't have these, uh, these issues. I think that another thing that people do is, you know, instead of spending it with their family or feeling this social obligation or even awkwardness around it, is that they plan to go on a retreat. And what I love about that is you're with other like-minded people. You're doing something that's nourishing, you know, like sometimes people go on a yoga retreat or sometimes some type of wellness retreat because they want to reset before the new year. And, you know, I think that that's a really great idea because you're doing something for you and you're not sitting around scrambling for the holidays, trying to make something work and being unhappy throughout that whole experience. And I'll say this about that, because I remember specifically on certain years looking for retreats, things going on during the holidays. And it was hard to find. Like a lot of things will shut down during those specific time frames. So if that's something you're thinking about doing, it might require more research, right? It re might require a little more legwork to really find find out like what's happening. And I'll say, offer another like worst case scenario option is if you feel like traveling, go to a country where Christmas isn't celebrated, right? Like then it might be easier to travel alone if that's the option you're taking. Um, you know, again, we're looking at it's not always ideal, but how do we support ourselves even when circumstances aren't? And I'm just going to throw out there is, you know, you use the word social construct, Mary. And I love that. We, we can push back on these things. We can challenge even that for ourselves and decide what does this day mean to us? Like why, if this isn't something we enjoy, why do we need to partake in it? Right? Like mm -hmm. these are options here. And for those of you, which leads me to the point about, um, uh, those of you who are choosing not to go see your families for the holidays uh, for whatever reasons, uh, that's okay too, right? Uh, can you see them at other times where it's less triggering? That's what I actually chose for my family mm. for a while because travel alone was so stressful. I was like, I'll just go see you at other times. Mm. And that's I did. That's a good idea. Yeah. And I think also something about maybe creating your own traditions around it mm -hmm. as well. I love right? that. And you know how people do Friendsgiving, so... You know, something like that is maybe doing something a week before with friends, if that's an option. You know, for some of us who run insecurely attached is sometimes they're looking for only the perfect option. And if it's not that, I don't want to do it. So I remember actually feeling like that at certain points. Well, I don't really I don't really I personally don't really love Thanksgiving food. So I was like, well, I don't really feel like going to someone's house because I don't love Thanksgiving food. But I want to be around people. But, you know, the invites I got, like, they're not really the ones mm -hmm. I take. Oh, I wish I could travel. But then uh, no retreats during this time. What do I do? I don't want to be alone. But I don't want to go to the country where I don't want to be alone. As you guys can right. hear, I can hear the and cycle. It's the busiest time to travel. Exactly. That's going to be a pain. And flights are delayed. And oh, my goodness. Exactly. Yes. And the ruminating, the never-ending conversations that we have with ourselves in our heads. 
perfectionism is associated, is correlated, is a symptom of the anxiously attached part of ourselves. It's looking for the perfection in order to feel that sense of safety and security. And again, our insecure attachment is sometimes making the best of a situation that isn't ideal. So if you're choosing not to be with your family because of A, B, and C, how can you make it supportive for yourself? And if you're choosing to still have relationships with your family, but don't want to go home at the holidays, how can that look, right? Like really use this as a way to get away from these old narratives. If you're thinking bad or good, the answer is off the track because life is bad and good. We are looking for presence, which is on a whole different track. You know what I love about the holidays? What? Well, first we start, we start with Halloween, right? Yeah. And I was just talking to a friend the other day. He was like, I hate Halloween. How do you feel about Halloween? And I'm like, well, I didn't always get the right costume. <laughs> so let's just start with that. And then there's Thanksgiving, right? Which is pr one of the biggest holidays of the year. And that just kicks it off to the winter holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever it is that people celebrate. And then Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. And then the gem of all gems of Mother Effin holidays. New Year's Eve. Oh. The pressure. Oh. The pressure. The pressure of New Year's. But don't worry. We have an episode coming up all about the New Year that we hope for you guys to take in and use for support. We know that you guys can change your patterns. This stuff is work. It is not for the faint of heart. It can be done. The more that you practice that, uh, the more that you practice it, the more those neural pathways become reinforced with new connections and you will start having new experiences, which doesn't mean at certain times you will still feel your trigger of all triggers that it will take you down a rabbit hole. You will still have those moments. That doesn't mean that all of those moments go away. There just might be less of those moments or you learn to feel connected to yourself within those moments. It can be done. We believe in you. We are here to help you get through the holidays. So just know that you can reach out to us. You can DM, reach out with questions, collaborations, or anything else. I'm at Mary B Therapy on Instagram and MaryBTherapy.com on the web. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, you are not alone. You can always reach out to me. I am here for you. Talk to you next time.